This is the Coffee Commune podcast, where the coffee community comes to collaborate. Showcasing today another of our Coffee Commune members. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Brehan here from the International Coffee Traders and host of the Coffee Commune podcast. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. He's uh, been a friend for a few years. We've been working together for a long time and we spent the entire week driving around Queensland and northern New South Wales meeting coffee roasters and introducing him. His name is Miguel from Flora Fruto. He's the founder of Flora Fruto and he's also a third generation coffee producer from Colombia. His grandfather started a farm. His father manages the farm and now he's entered the business. It's super exciting to have Miguel on the podcast, you know, all the way from Colombia. And this is going to be super cool. Miguel, thank you for coming. Ryan, thank you for hosting me. It's a pleasure. Hello to everyone. Forgive my uh, my mistakes if uh, I do it in English, but yeah, I will try to do my best. And thank you very much, Ryan. <laughs> uh, you actually have uh, one of those voices where it's very easy to listen to you. You just put a, an exotic accent and everybody just melts for you. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you need to put a picture of Miguel on the podcast show as well. I think he's a very good looking man and... Uh, Maybe you might find a wife, who knows? Well, Australian girl, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've been to Australia before, but uh, we've spent some time cruising around, meeting coffee roasters and meeting coffee people. What's your impression of the Australian coffee market as someone coming from a producing country? It has been very interesting through all the, the cities that I have been through because they really are into coffee. They really like to drink good coffee. I prefer that they will drink a little bit more long blacks because on that way they can really feel the actual taste of the coffee. Gilberto's uh, chuckling behind <laughs> us. That's his coffee of choice, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with milk, is great. And the coffee makes a very good uh, combination in between both of those. But the milk also uh, brings a little bit of uh, different flavor or kind of uh, uncovers a little bit the coffee as it actually is. So... Yeah, but it's just cultural, it's just a regular thing to have it. Yeah, but that's a cultural thing for Australia, to drink coffee with milk. And I think it's like, that's how people like to drink their coffee. So if people are going to start drinking more black coffee, why should they drink Colombian coffee? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they don't have also to drink Colombian coffee. They can drink all the coffee that they want to uh, from all around the world. All coffee producers have also the same chance to get to taste way better or different maneuvers of uh, different uh, methods of a uh, coffee drink. I think part of the reason why Australian coffee culture is so strong with milk is because in the past, coffee was not maybe as as well produced as it is now. You know, coffee had a lot of defects. Maybe the quality wasn't there. And so it had to get roasted quite dark to reduce the defects yeah. in the coffee. And now with with the way that you're doing some innovative things at your farm, the only way you can taste those innovations is really to drink it black. What are some of the things that you're doing at your farm that are a bit innovative on you? <laughs> yeah, well, I agree with what you have said. Milk can uncover a little bit. We also, back in Colombia, people used to drink a lot of uh, long blacks, but with tons of sugar. 
because the coffee is uh, absolutely horrible. It's overburned. So the only way to drink it is to put something else on it. People are still thinking that coffee is only for a start the day, to just to be a, an engine, a motor, a caffeinated, and then go. But I believe, and from my point of view on what I have seen, is that the coffee is also a way of experience that you can feel, that you can have in your mouth, just starting from acidity, sweetness, body, and all of such kind of say, things that we already know from coffee, from uh, scoring it. And from that point on, we understood that we also can start playing around with fermentation processes and uh, that we can find a way or that we can build our path to get that uh, flavor or to get that taste that we want to through fermentations. So we are doing a kind of innovations, adding yeast, adding um, lactobacillus to make it a, a lactic fermentation, uh, we are also let the coffee in the cherry so the naturals or the inner microorganisms can give this flavor or can uh, change a little bit the flavor to the coffee. Let's go back for a second. The coffee is growing on a tree. You've got a farm of how big is your farm? The farm is about 80 hectares. So how many trees are there on the farm? Well, it depends on the distance that you plant it, but I believe we have around 500,000 trees. And so when you pick the fruit off the trees, when does the fermentation happen? Well, fermentation starts just from the beginning. At the first, when you pick it from the, from the tree, it's meant to, to start the fermentation. What is fermentation about? It's uh, microorganisms trying to survive. And they survive by eating all the sugarness or the carbohydrates that the coffee and can have. And that's in the coffee, in the fruit? Yeah, inside the fruit. You have a fructose and I don't know the name in Spanish is sacarosa. Sacarosa. <laughs> Yeah. Did I say that right? Uh, sacarosa. sacarosa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which are the natural uh, sugar of the of the fruit. And that's f where from the, the microorganisms fit and they survive. So do you control that in any way? Like you've picked these cherries and now you have to get them to a point where we as roasters can roast them. How do you control that fermentation? What happens in those steps? Well, controlling fermentations is a very difficult topic to just touch. We can say that we can dry fermentation or we can just uh, say that we can add things to the fermentation, like things, I mean uh, microorganisms, to just go the way we want to. Control, it will be if we were talking hypothetically in a very controlled environment. Uh, humidity, moisture, that mostly we are on a non-oxygen environment through all the process because in the air there are a lot of microorganisms that are floating that just move around and that they can get into these coffee cherries. So to control it is difficult. We can't just kind of manage or drive it the way we want to. And we are managing by putting these cherries after we pick them up, we wash them, we clean them, we try to put a lot of effort on what we are doing so we can get the best results out of it. And after uh, we put it in a drum, in plastic drums that we have the clean before, like a, like- You've sanitized. Sanitized, exactly, yeah. sanitized before so that we know that what's inside is going to be as clean as it can be. So it sounds like 
there are lots of different microorganisms on the farm, on the materials you're using, even on our skin. Absolutely. So you're trying to control what organisms get into the coffee for this fermentation process? Exactly, Ray, exactly. Yeah, the earth has its own microorganisms. The microorganisms likes to live also on the leaves, on the cherries, on the trees, everywhere. So if, the, for example, a cherry that you were picking falls down to the floor, then it will get the microorganisms that were on the ground. And then if you pick it up, then you will put it on the basket or on the recipient that the people is uh, picking, and then it will start growing or it will start creating his own colony. So everything has uh, microorganisms, even our hands uh, underneath our, in between uh, our nails. There is a lot of microorganisms that we, uh, we don't know that there exist. So I'm guessing this must be because there are certain microorganisms that are better for coffee fermentation than others. Yes, yes. Is that why you control it? Because you actually want these ones and not the other ones? Yeah, well, we haven't get to that point that we know which microorganisms we want to have in the fermentation and which ones we don't want to have them. So it's very difficult to answer because uh, science ha hasn't got that far, even in coffee, maybe in other um, products such as wine or such as beer. Coffee is uh, still very, very new. And for us, we have been in this uh, path for almost two years. So for us, it's almost very, very new. So really, we don't know which do we want to have and which we don't want to have. But to answer a little bit, the microorganisms that we have found in other products, such as beer that we used, uh, the Saccharomyces, which is yeast, we have found uh, positive results by adding it into coffee. So what did that do to the flavor of the coffee using that yeast, that saccharum, sa Saccharomyces. Saccharomyces. I don't know, in yeah. Spanish okay. it's Saccharomyces <laughs> cerevisiae. In English, yeah, you get your... <laughs> so you've introduced that specific yeast to the coffee fermentation, and what did that do to the flavor of your coffee? Because of the Saccharomyces are a yeast, the yeast does eat the sugar, and then what they put out or what they put into the environment is CO2 with alcohol. So it kind of makes the coffee alcoholic. Yes, it's kind of make alcoholic this flavor. But because also we fermented in cherry, the cherry gives a lot of flavors such as uh, fruity grapes and yeah, all of these uh, raspberries. This coffee, we've tasted this a couple of times this week and dead set, it tasted like this fruit juice in the <laughs> coffee. It was incredible, absolutely incredible. And I can imagine if you loaded that coffee with milk, you wouldn't taste any of these really intricate flavors. So it's a really special coffee, something very uh, innovative. I don't see a lot of this. And that particular flavor was quite unique. It was, I can't describe it except <laughs> that it was, yeah, super fruity, super fruity, like juicy, like like it had fruit juice in it. Are you experimenting with other additions or just the yeast? We are experimenting also with um, with the skin of uh, orange that we add into these uh, fermentation processes. It has also showed us a very good result. It has also a very good feedback. The coffee kind of changed, but it did change in a very good way and very light, very subtle, so that the coffee won't... Uh, 
lose the essential of being a coffee. And also, yeah, these uh, lactobacillus, which are a lactic fermentation, which they are very into all the lactic or all the milky products. Is this cheating? Well, <laughs> I won't say cheating. I will say uh, another way of having coffee. Always is cheating when you don't tell the truth. If you are not telling the truth, then you are doing something wrong. If you tell the truth, even if it's whatever you want to say or whatever you want to call, you're not cheating. You are not saying that it, this is wrong or this is bad. You are saying this is what is happening. Do you want yeah. it? Yes or no? Then it's your choice. Yeah, okay. That makes that makes sense. That makes sense because I think some people might have the opinion that the coffee that grows on the plant, that's how you should taste it. You shouldn't add anything else to it. But I take your point. If if you're open and you're transparent about it, then um, yeah, you leave the choice to the person at the end to decide whether they they enjoy that or not. Exactly. But look, with fermentation, the coffee we, we haven't got that far, but we know that the coffee has microorganisms such as Saccharomyces. Yeah, there are uh, some types of Saccharomyces which I don't remember the names right now, but there are such types of yeast that they are nature and then they already have been growing inside the coffee cherry. So we are only adding a little bit more of those in the lab to just uh, ensure or um, to just uh, help them grow and conquer this uh, environment because we, we put this uh, coffee inside the drums, so it's kind of conquer and they win the, the war against the other microorganisms. It sounds like, it sounds like warfare. Like <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. It's just like adding more uh, of, of something to just colonize, to just conquer, to just be the ones that are going to survive for so, such amount of hours. And you're growing these things in your lab? Yes. Well, not right now in our lab because we don't have at the moment actually a, a final lab. It's just that we are building building it. And by the end of this year, I hope that we can have it, a lab full equipped with all these micro equipment, such as a microscope and uh, things to isolate and things to reproduce them. But yeah, right now it's kind of uh, in the office. <laughs> so that's our lab. And... So when the process is complete and you've produced this coffee that's got some really unique flavors and taste to it, what happens if, if I come back to you and say, right, I want some more of that? Can you do it again? Yeah, well, our, our idea or, or why we are doing this is because we have been replying this process inside our farm and testing ourselves and replying over and over and over because we have had that, that problem that people couldn't reproduce or reply coffees to outsource, to give to the other clients because it has happened as a middleman, as a sourcing. As coffee a sourcing, coffee, coffee sourcing. buyer, coffee yeah. importer, trader. Exactly, yeah. Uh, as, yeah. As this, it, it has, it has a, I have had yeah. that problem before, so... To try to try to solve it, uh, we found it through fermentation that we can control. It's kind of becoming a coffee industry, like processing coffee industry that we will have that the same flavor, the same taste, or at least the same cupping uh, notes. Maybe the intensity can vary, 
but that's our idea. That's our goal. And that's what we have achieved so far through these two years of uh, experimenting. This is all very, very new. Like these coffees didn't exist <laughs> 10 years ago. We just had very traditional, basic processing methods. We had washed, we had natural, we had honeys. Yes. And so with all of these fermentations now, I think the scope of coffee and the range of flavors that you can get is is so wide. Where do you think we're going with this? Well, I don't think that we are going very far, very farther. Uh, fermentation is not very new. It's new in coffee, but it's kind of the oldest preserve methods for the humanity. For example, when we didn't have any, any freezer, mm -hmm. how do they preserve the food? They put salt on it, on top of it, and then that's the way how they preserve it. Because microorganisms couldn't just get inside the, the salty because the environment wasn't good enough. Or, well, it, it's a lot of things that I am not the expert and I might be wrong, but it used to be ages, ages ago that, and then wine is also, I don't know, wine 500. fermented, yeah. yeah. Yeah, wine is fermented for 100 years. We Yeah, but usually you think of fermentation as something that you use to produce alcohol or produce something like an alcoholic drink, right? Yeah, yeah. with coffee, you can make alcohol out of coffee. No, you yeah. can. <laughs> well, you could. You have to separate the alcohol from this. So distill? Distill. 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 Okay, yeah, yeah. You have to distill, exactly. But you could. Okay. Yes. Coffee, coffee, alcohol. Maybe yes. that's going to be a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do it at your farm? <laughs> well, I have to try it. We don't have a distillery. Distillery. What else can you make alcohol out of? Uh, anything that has yeast. The yeast will make on the air alcohol, and you then you just need sugar or something. You just right? need sugar or something. Carbohydrates, exactly. Hey. Okay. You grow other stuff on your farm? We do. We have a avocado. We have oranges, plantain, green banana, the... Plantain alcohol? Uh, Avocado alcohol? Well, <laughs> that's new thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have to try it whenever we have this uh, microorganism lab. Maybe we can put that distillery, distillery, yeah. a distillery on the farm and then we can try it. I don't think that's uh, going to be very good, but... <laughs> <laughs> So what are some of the, like, obviously, I think it's a topical issue right now that climate change is a notable thing. Are you noticing effects on your farm of climate change? Yes, 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 definitely. We used to, where we are now growing avocado and oranges, we used to have that crop into coffee. We used to have coffee on that farm. Because of climate changing, the weather wasn't good enough. It was very, very dry. We didn't rain a lot, so it wasn't very good for coffee. So therefore, the production wasn't wasn't good. So, so what changed? Crops. Did it get hotter? Is it raining more? What's actually changed? Hotter. Hotter? Yes. Yeah. How much hotter? Well, can't say, but one, two, three degrees. That doesn't sound like a lot. It does for the crop. For the coffee? Yeah. It doesn't for, like it? For any crop. Yeah. I mean, right now, climate changing is pushing all the crops to go up into the mountains. So it's kind of moving a little bit the higher. Right now, for example, in coffee, we have coffee right now that is uh, being planted at 2,000 meters, 2,100 meters. And I think in 
five to 10 years, we can find copies that will be 2,300, 400 meters. So that's something very, very different for, and climate changing is pushing us. So is that the only challenge with coffee at the moment, climate change, or are there any other? Like for us here, we live in the city, our cost of fuel is going up, our cost of food is going up, things like that. Like what does it cost to produce coffee? Not just like in terms of you have to go and grow and pick and harvest, but what are the costs to yeah. produce coffee? For us, it's also the same issues that the world is uh, suffering. Petrol, logistics, moving around things, the container uh, shortage. So we are also suffering our inflation inside Colombia is also giving us a very hard time. And yeah, apart from the normal things that everything is going up, also labor, labor is going to be a problem. People think in Colombia or that if they are useless, then they will end up at the farm. So it's, it's not the way that we think or that I see it, but that's the way people think that that is happening. Also the costs of pesticides, of fertilization, irrigation, equipment, everything is just going so, so high. So the cost of production has increased in the past two to three years, 100 or 150% that it used to be. And how long does it take like for, for the trees to produce coffee that's ready for picking? Okay, so we start by putting the seeds on the ground and then they germinate. Mm -hmm. So that process will take about 40 to 60 days. Then we have to replant them. And in this nursery that where they are kind of start growing, it will take up to four or five months before they go into the yield, before they go into and to be planted into the into the earth. From that point until we can have the first coffee cherries will take the tree more or less one and a half year. And then when you've got cherries on it, how long before it gives you another harvest? Another harvest. So in Colombia, we are lucky that we have two harvests, one main harvest. In my region, it happens from September until November, more or less. And while the coffee tree has coffee for the harvest, it has also like inside a blossoms that will give from that point, from the point of the flowering or of the blossom, you have to count eight months from that point on beyond. So we have a little bit of a coffee through all the year. And the next harvest or the small harvest is happening in between April, March, May, more or less. But we can have had pretty much a coffee picking every day. We have had this year. We didn't stop this year of picking coffees. So who's buying your coffee? Right now, the family business, it used to be, or it's, it's still being quantity. And right now we sell it in parchment to the cooperative locally. What's the cooperative? The cooperative is um, all the coffee growers, they belong to the FNC. FNC is uh, meant to be for the growers. And the FNC also, FNC means uh, the Coffee National Federation of Colombia. And the FNC has its sourcing or uh, buyers, and those are called cooperatives that all the people get together and bring their own beans 
in parchment, or if they don't have any way to dry the coffees, then they bring it wet. But it has to be depulp, and that's a co-op to just bring all the coffee together. So you've got to take your coffee to this FNC facility, and it's not just your coffee, but there's other f- farms are all bringing their coffee to this facility. Exactly. And then what happens to the coffee? Then it gets mixed with everyone else's. Exactly, and then it will be like a regional blend mm-hmm. because all the region brings all the coffee to the same co-op, to the nearest co-op, and then all the coffee gets blended. Yes. Okay, and then so if a roaster buys coffee from that co-op, they're just buying a blend of many farms' coffees. Exactly. Yes. In Colombia, we are 550,000 of coffee growers, and most of them, like 90-95% of them, they own less than a hectare, which in a hectare you can have up to 10,000 coffee trees. That's what they rely on and they're living so, yeah, the nearest co-op is going to buy the 100% of what they harvest, and then the co-op will mix all up. They will cop, and they will say, clean cup, or uh, if it has any problem, they will just separate it. But if it has a clean cup, then they will get all, all mixed, and they need to find somebody like a private exporter or FNC exporter to sell the coffees to them. So that's how it works, more or less. They are like a a warehouse. So is that a good system for you to sell your coffee to the cooperative? Is it beneficial for you? Well, why don't you just sell to someone in Europe or like a roaster in America or anyone that could use your coffee directly? Yeah, well, that's what every coffee grower wants because the exchange price is a roller coaster. So nobody, yeah. so nobody knows what's going to happen. And also the money exchange, the currency exchange that we have with US dollar, it's always very difficult to understand what's going to happen. So the ideal and what every coffee grower wants is to sell direct to somebody who is willing to pay a fair price for everyone because we have to make a living out of that, all of us. And also it will be very nice for us to just be on somebody's roastery or a sh- coffee shop saying, hey, look, this is the coffee that I have been growing for the past half year, for the past two years, for the past five years. I'm talking about years because uh, the coffee tree takes a long time to prepare all these coffees, all these coffee cherries. And um, you mentioned that there's a lot of volatility in the pricing, like with the, the coffee market. And as a coffee trader myself, when was it last year or the year before, Brazil announced a frost. They had a lot of crop damage. And so the price of coffee went crazy all around the world. Yes. To me, that sounds, I understand how the market works, but the fact that Brazil has issues and they can affect the price of coffee so much for someone in Colombia, that just seems like such a crazy system. <laughs> yes. Brazil is the first coffee producer in the world. I don't know the numbers right now, but for what I can remember, they they produce or they sell like 60 million bucks a year to be the first country. The second country is Vietnam. Vietnam can have up to 25 million, 30 million maybe. 
And Colombia is the third one, and we produce 14 million bags. So that's the difference, and that's the gap. And that's why Brazil kind of... They control the market. They control the market, yeah. If they say this is going to happen, then the market will go crazy, and yeah. <laughs> so, like, to me, how do we overcome that? That sounds like such a backward system of trading coffee around the world. What's the future for you? How would you like coffee to be traded? Yeah, well, that's why we, we started to play around with fermentations so we can create different profiles, so we can uh, become different from other coffee growers that they are have been doing the same thing. And by doing this, we add coffee tasting, flavors, uh, scoring. Well, obviously, these different fermentations, you can't sell this to the FNC now. Your coffee will just get lost in amongst everyone else's coffee. Exactly. So you need to sell this directly. Exactly. And therefore, we kind of uh, do different things. Otherwise, we will have to be in the same thing. And the roasters or the importers would say, thank you very much. We receive every single week the same coffee. Why should we buy your coffee? So we, therefore, we have to make a difference. We have to be create value, be different, add something to the market that they are willing to pay for it and that they are very happy with what we have done. So that's why we started with the specialty coffees doing different types of fermentations. So we can... So you want to stand out? You want, yeah, you, exactly. You really want to produce a different product that people maybe will, will ask for exactly. directly. And by doing it, we kind of get out of this stock exchange market because I will tell the buyer. My product costs me much more than regular coffee. This is my price. Are you willing to pay? Yes or no. And then if they are willing to pay, well, I'm very happy. If they are not, I will search for somebody else. But that's the most difficult part of the of the process, finding somebody who is willing to commit or pay or want to, to recognize what you have done with the coffee. So the future or what I how, how I see it is if you can just get out of stock exchange and make a positive or a better relationship with somebody that can support what we are doing, it's a way of sustainability. Otherwise, we could just be change crops or sell the land and do something different. Well, if you, if you do that, then the coffee roaster has less coffee to roast and it affects the whole chain, doesn't it? Like if the coffee producers start disappearing because it's unsustainable, coffee disappears. Absolutely. And millions of people around the world have to wake up and find something else to drink. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a tragedy. Yeah. That would be a tragedy <laughs> if yeah. I have to start drinking tea or something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but people doesn't understand that in the coffee farms or in every farm, we struggle. It's not that easy. Getting labor, getting the fertilizers, getting things around. Well, you just but said it's eight months before you get a, another harvest. So right. for eight months, you're feeding these plants. Absolutely. Only give you're them. paying, 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 paying for eight months. And then for the harvest, that's when you get your return. Exactly. And banks won't loan us that amount or that much amount that we need to. And if the coffee market price crashes, then you don't even get paid that much. Exactly. Or if, what about if it rains or like if it doesn't rain or if there's hail or if there's damage? Yeah, that's then it. Then all your work is gone. That's it. For the past two years, we have had like the double of the what the coffee needs to just have a very good harvest. We have had the double of rain 
And that affects us in between 30 to 40% of the normal harvest that we will have had. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've learned from speaking to you over the last few days and hanging out with you and especially on this podcast is that we really need to open the transparency more back to the producers, who the producers are, where the coffee is coming from. Those are the questions that I think people are starting to ask, not just with coffee, but even with other food. Like people are starting to think more carefully about where's is my fruit and vegetables? Are they organic? Are they grown by reputable producers? Are they grown locally? Unfortunately, with Australia, there's not that much local coffee, but we have to import everything. But I think the awareness is starting to happen, and I hope it continues. Yes, yes, you are absolutely right. Coffee coffee, and all other, other crops will disappear. For example, to give you a very, very close example, my both grandparents were uh, coffee growers, but from my mother's side, 10 or 15 years ago, he just decided to quit growing coffee because it wasn't sustainable, because it wasn't profitable for him, because everything was a problem. You have to run a farm with certain amount of people, let's say, I don't know, five, 10 people permanently that they will get you through, through the farm, through the year. And then when you have harvest time, which is only three months a year at the end of the year, and then three months at the beginning of the year for the middle harvest, you can go up to 50, 100 people. For example, in my farm, that's normally what we need to hire to get through all the, the harvest time. So it's very difficult to find these people. These people is not willing to work. We have a lot of suits, lawsuits. Lawsuits, okay. Yeah, because we don't pay them well or we are not giving them insurance. But how can you ensure somebody that is going to work only one day for you? <laughs> how can you ensure <laughs> that they have a health if they only go two or three hours for work and then they go into another farm and they don't like the farm and they move on to the next farm. So it's very difficult for us. And also all the costs, the fertilizers, the pesticides, the equipment, the machinery, the everything that, that we need to keep on growing coffee is not easy for us. Okay, well, I'm glad to know that you're out here spreading the message. That's part of the message that... You know, we really push hard with the coffee commune is that coffee is an artisan product from growing to roasting to extraction at the machine. Every step, there is an artisan step to the product. And so we need to value the coffee that we're drinking a lot more. Miguel, thank you so much for your time. It's been incredible. I loved having you on the podcast. I can't believe we've gone for like we've gone through so many twists and turns with this conversation, but it's been super exciting. Do you want to leave us with any last messages before we go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to thank you, Australian people, because Australians really like coffee and really like good coffee. So this is something for us. Also, Australia was one of the first countries that kind of put up the price of the coffee these years and the past years so we can understand that the market was going up so that they want to have this coffee. Well, all the chain is suffering, so you have to pay a little bit more for that. You are also a very great consumers that you care about what you are consuming. This is also very important and that I have to recognize. But also try to support everyone, try to just help as many people as you can. I don't know, it's, it's, it's just very nice to be here with passionate people because I know that the people that is going to listen to this podcast is people that is going to love what's happening in this conversation. And also, please welcome to Colombia. Enjoy the trip. Be there, be in touch with a farmer so that you know what's the beginning of everything. 
So how can people get in contact with you or follow you on your social media? What are your links in your, your platforms? Yeah, well, we are a Flora Fruto. That's a, our main uh, account in Instagram. It's Flora Fruto, which stands for flower to fruit. That's uh, what we have been talking about. The harvest is uh, when it starts to blossom. And then the harvesting time is uh, eight months after that. So that's where you pick the fruits of your harvest. Flora Fruto, you're on Instagram? Instagram, yeah, Facebook. Flora Fruto. Facebook, Flora Fruto, SAS, but I don't use it as much. And the website, www.florafruto.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Miguel. Thank you for listening to the Coffee Commune podcast. Remember to subscribe and rate this show wherever you're listening. 